Hi everyone, I'm Zoe. And I'm Madden. And you're listening to the Unnamed Doe Podcast. And today, I'm going to share the story of an unidentified man with only one eye, but there is so much more intriguing and confusing information than just that. This is the story of the one-eyed man. Okay, everyone. Before we dive into the case, we wanted to let you in on a little secret. This episode was originally going to be a episode for our patrons on our Patreon, but this is a case that I have been working on for weeks and weeks and months at this point. It was like the second case I ever picked to cover for this podcast. I found more information than I was anticipating on finding, and we just decided to release this as a main feed episode. So it still has the feel of what our Patreon episodes are like. So enjoy this little teaser. Our story for today starts in Toke, Alaska. This is located in Fairbanks, North Star Borough County. Now I'm going to start right off the bat with a map because Alaska is huge and I want everyone to have an idea of where we're talking about. Madden, I've gone ahead and pulled up a map of Toke, Alaska, if you don't mind describing it to our listeners. Okay, I actually have a map that's zoomed in so that I can see where Toke is in relation to surrounding towns. And then I also have a map that's zoomed out so I can see where it is in relation to the rest of Alaska. On the zoomed in map, it looks like Toke, or at least the city limits of Toke, are kind of surrounding an intersection of roads. So there's one main road that goes east-west through Toke and one road that comes north-south into it, but it stops when it meets that east-west road. Now to look at the zoomed out map, I know Alaska is huge, but the closest city it's showing me on the map is Fairbanks. I know it's probably not even close. It's actually closer to the Canadian border than it is to Fairbanks, but Alaska's so big that it's only showing me Fairbanks and Anchorage and then the little red dot where this town is. If you split Alaska into four quadrants, it's in the lower right quadrant towards the Canadian side. Now that we've identified where we're talking about, let's jump into the case. And things are gonna get weird from the start. My sources all say that our dose skeletal remains were discovered on August 20th, 1979. But let me tell you what NamUs says about the circumstances of discovery. Quote, Hitchhiker picked up and traveled with killer to Alaska. UP killed and dumped. Mandible not recovered. End quote. Whoa, that's a lot of info. Yeah, but it's also like not a lot of info. You know, like it's a lot, but it's not a lot. Let me break down something for you guys real quick. UP killed and dumped. UP stands for unidentified person. That's how NamUs abbreviates things. So MP is missing person. UP is unidentified person. It's kind of weird because it's a lot of information but it's also zero information. Like it doesn't tell you anything about him being discovered. What was his postmortem interval? They think about a year to years prior. He was skeletonized. So I know this is all really confusing information. We're gonna come back to this information about the hitchhiker and the killer in a little bit. So just like file that in the back of your mind for a minute because we need to move on to what we do know about our doe. Our doe is a John Doe. He was likely in the adult pre 40 group. He is estimated to be white, have been 6 foot, and 185 pounds. And like I said, his estimated time since death is about a year or years prior to his discovery. So that would put his death somewhere before like 1978-ish. 
He had long brown hair and his eye color couldn't be determined. But John Doe had a really distinctive feature. He was missing his left eye. You said he was skeletonized when he was found, which this is kind of gross, but that means he wouldn't have had either of his eyeballs. How did they know for sure that his left eye was missing before death? You know, that's a really, really good question. I don't know if they could tell that it was missing in his orbital socket through like it being surgically removed or something. Do you think that maybe it was the result of a traumatic injury? Like maybe they could have seen the marks on the skull? Possibly. I kind of just have to assume. He wasn't found with an eye patch or anything, was he? He was. Oh, well then maybe that's how they got there. Yeah, but also people don't just wear an eye patch if they lose an eye. Like sometimes you have to wear an eye patch over your eye if you like scratch your cornea or you do something that you can't have light on your eye. I know several people that had to wear eye patches as children because they had a lazy eye. I'm hoping that they're not just assuming he was missing an eye because he wore an eye patch. Like I'm hoping that there's more evidence of that. Anyway... As we said, he was found skeletonized, and he was a nearly complete skeleton, except for his mandible was never recovered, which is so strange to me. I just want to jump in, and for anyone that's not super up to terms on the lingo, mandible is lower jaw. Up to terms on the lingo? (laughs) Okay. No, 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 keep it. I love it. (laughs) That makes no sense. (laughs) If no one's up to terms on the lingo. I think that's what makes it perfect. Okay. Okay. His manner of death is homicide, but I don't know his exact cause of death. I saw on some less reliable sources that his cause of death was strangulation and stabbing. Both? Yeah, question mark. Which one was the cause of death? I don't know. (laughs) But it's not found on the Doe Network or NamUs or anything like that. So I have no idea where that's coming from. So we're just gonna take that with a massive grain of salt. So Madden, I actually have a couple reconstructions I'm going to have you go ahead and describe. These reconstructions are actually what drew me into the case initially. Go ahead and tell everyone what you think and see and all of that stuff. Why is there a big black bar over half of his reconstruction? Because his mandible wasn't recovered, so they're not estimating it. Okay, I get that, but also, in literally every case we've covered where a mandible wasn't found... The artist just did the best they could. I've never seen just a big black bar across the bottom of the screen. Okay, it looks strange, but I'm kind of glad he did it because your chin, like your mandible, it can really it can change, really how, you change look. how a person looks. So if an artist draws it wrong and guesses wrong, I could see where it would be misleading. On the first one, it's definitely not as high tech. It's probably a pencil or charcoal drawing that looks like it's been copied or Xeroxed or something. It kind of looks like maybe they drew a scar across his forehead and down across his eye, but the other ones don't have that scar going across his missing eye. He is wearing the eye patch. It's kind of small. It's kind of shaped like a teardrop tilted onto its side. In the first one, he has really curly hair and like a lot of it. It's not long, but it kind of goes up and out. The eye you can see is pretty hooded, and his eyebrows are a little bit thicker. So his mustache is really thin, and it's just on his upper lip. It's what I would call a rat stash, or like a rat mustache. I've never heard of that, but as we learned with the soul patch incident, Madden's up to terms on the lingo for facial hair. Okay, 
And for our non-patrons, let me explain this soul patch thing a little bit. In one of our Patreon episodes, we talked about a Kenny Rogers beard, and I didn't know what a soul patch was, because I guess Kenny Rogers has a soul patch technically in his little beard, and Madden schooled me. So if you want to check that out, be sure to jump over to the Patreon. It's kind of funny, but there's your little like brief explanation to what the soul patch incident is. I had always thought that rat stash was just something my family said, but we googled it and Urban Dictionary has a definition. And Urban Dictionary is so reliable. (laughs) Yeah, totally. But Urban Dictionary is, you know, the place where you put random definitions of casual words. And it said the same thing that I said. It's like a really thin mustache just on your upper lip. Yeah, (laughs) You, you can Google that definition if you want, but that's how I would describe it as a rat stash. So let's move on to the next picture, which is still a black and white picture, but this one looks more like a photograph. It's clearly a digital rendering. And there's two of them. And one is with the eye patch and one's without. They both have that black bar over the bottom because the mandible wasn't recovered. The hair is still curly slash wavy, but it's got a lot less volume. He has the same eyebrows and the same hooded eye, but I think the noses are really different between this one and the first one we talked about. His nose here is a lot kind of more rugged, if that makes sense. It just kind of looks bigger and maybe like got a slight crook in it. Whereas the other one looks really flat and small. I also feel like he looks a lot older. He does. I think in the first one, he maybe looks 20, 25. This one, I'd put him at 30s to 45, maybe. In this one and the one without the eye patch, but it's the same picture, his mustache is a lot thicker. It's no longer that rat stash. It's thick and maybe possibly connects down to a beard, but obviously we don't know that for sure. I mean, he was skeletonized. Oh yeah, so how or why did they put a mustache on him? I don't know. I've been spending so much time talking about his mustache (laughs) and we don't even know if he had one. Yeah, I don't know. That's a weird choice. Does mustache hair stay though? Like on bone? Well, it's the same concept as hair on the head, but it'd be a lot thinner, so it probably degrades. I don't know. I don't know how they're doing this. I don't know why they thought there was a mustache, so maybe I shouldn't pay that much attention to it. It's weird. This last picture is done by Carl Kulpelman, who we talked about a lot in our last week's episode about the Jane Doe's found in Houston or around Houston. This one, he has a lot longer hair. It goes down to his shoulders. I can't see the hair that well in the other ones, but it definitely doesn't go down to his shoulders. I would estimate it stops like at the nape of his neck. Again, they drew him with a mustache and this time also a beard. Like not a long beard, but definitely more than a five o'clock shadow. I do sound like a facial hair expert. You do. Because <laughs> rat stash is so professional. <laughs> You're gonna, you should be a forensic facial, facial hair, hair analyst. analyst. Yeah. His eyebrows have looked the same throughout all of these, which I really, again, don't know how they're looking the same because he didn't have facial hair when he was found. But the eye, the eye you can see is hooded. It's even more hooded than we've seen so far. But that's a pretty consistent trend. Carl put him in a flannel shirt for some reason. And again, you've got like clouds and the sun peeking over the mountain in the background. That's kind of like his signature, putting like a very scenic background. I don't know how I feel about it, but... Yeah, those are the reconstructions. I think you did a really good job describing those guys. Now, John Doe's remains weren't the only thing that was found. He was actually found with several items and pieces of clothing. Was he found with the flannel shirt? Is that why Carl drew him with it? No. No? No. Oh, okay. No. Never mind. I don't know why he did that. (laughs) 
Let's start with the clothing. According to Namus, these clothes were found near his body. So I don't know if they were actually found on him or next to him or what, because there was nothing mentioned about sexual assault. So I assumed that they were going to be on his body. Maybe I'm just like hyperfixating on this a little too much. I don't know. It's weird, but we're just going to go with what Namus says. Some murderers do weird things with their victims' clothes. Sometimes they take them off. Sometimes they redress them. It's strange. That's true. That's true. Anyways, he was found with a size large green and brown plaid Melvin's Mark II jacket, blue jeans with 15 cents in the right front pocket, and an orange and white marble in the left front pocket. Now, the 15 cents was actually in Canadian currency, and it was a nickel and a dime. The Doe Network says John Doe may have used the marble as a prosthetic eye. Was it a large marble? Uh, Like, I'm picturing, like, those little tiny marbles that definitely would have fallen out of an orbital socket. That's what I was picturing, too. I pictured a little marble, so I really don't know why or how they would know that. I don't know. It's weird, but do what you will with that. He was also found with a, quote, green and white plaid CPO type shirt, end quote. What is that? Well, I didn't know either, so I looked it up. Like, I searched that phrase, and Google pulled up a bunch of green and white plaid flannel shirts. So I don't think this shirt is, like, distinctive or anything. Just think about a green white plaid flannel-style button-down shirt. Then why in the h- did Carl Kofelman put him in a red and black flannel shirt? I don't know. Finally, he was found with a blue bandana, a white t-shirt, and blue socks. He was also found with a pair of brown leather ankle-high lace boots. And he also had a headband. I don't know anything about the headband except that he was found with it and it was found near his body. The only object listed as being found on his body was a leather black eye patch. Now, John Doe was also found with a couple objects. Beyond the marble and the coins, he was found with two packs of cigarettes that were Winston brand. He had three books of matches and he had a broken lead pencil. It's described as being yellow, so I think just think of like a regular number two pencil being broken that he had. Like the tip was broken or it was like broken in half? I assumed it was broken in half, but I guess the tip being broken makes sense too. I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters. Interesting. Yeah. Now I also know a few things about his dentals. His dentals are available and he apparently had several crowns and a root canal evident. These procedures seem pretty routine in dental care. But also like... You have to go to the dentist to have that. And going to the dentist isn't cheap. That's what I was thinking. I wish there was a way to know how old the fillings were or how long ago the root canal would have been performed. But I just think it's really interesting. So let's get back to that cliffhanger I left you on at the beginning of the episode. Let me remind you what I told you before about the circumstances of discovery. Quote, hitchhiker picked up and traveled with killer to Alaska. UP killed and dumped. Mandible not recovered, end quote. This comes from Namus. So let's go to the Doe Network and see what they have to say. Apparently the victim, who is our John Doe, was a hitchhiker. A man found him hitchhiking outside Boise, Idaho, and our John Doe was trying to get to Pendleton, Oregon. Now, this wouldn't be my episode if I didn't include a map. So Madden, can you tell us how far Boise is from Pendleton? Pendleton, Oregon looks like a straight shot up the interstate from Boise. It looks like you're literally on one interstate the whole time. And it's about three and a half hours, give or take. Pendleton is kind of in the northeastern area of Oregon. And if you don't know much about 
Idaho geography or American geography, Boise is on the lower left side of Idaho, the southwest side, if you want to be professional. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to be professional about geography. Right. So John Doe really wasn't trying to get too terribly far from his original location. But he was in Alaska. We're getting there. Okay. We're getting there. He wanted to just go three and a half hours. So apparently this driver picked up John Doe and he said, I'm not going to Oregon. I'm going to Alaska instead. And I guess John Doe was like, cool, I'm into that. So he asked if he could tag along. And the driver said, yeah, and they went to Alaska together. What's with the Canadian coins? Did they stop in Canada and pick up change? I was assuming maybe he was from Canada. Well, you have to drive through Canada to get to Alaska. Right. That's what I'm wondering. If like they would have gotten change there or did he have change in Idaho? I don't have the answer to that. I don't know. Things were going fine for the pair until they got to Alaska. How far of a drive is that from Boise to Alaska? Okay, so we just looked up the route that you would have to take from Boise to Toke. It's insane. It is like a 43-hour drive. It's 2,391 miles. And for our international friends, that is 3,847 kilometers. It's crazy. Wow. That's a really long time to be with a stranger. That is a crazy long time to be in the car with a stranger. Yeah. So like I said, things, I guess, were going fine for the pair until they got to Alaska. According to the Doe Network, quote, shortly after entering Alaska, the driver decided that the hitchhiker was getting on his nerves, so he killed him and left his body near the side of a highway, end quote. That's so strange then that he just left him by the side of the highway, but his clothes may have been off. It's weird. Luckily, for justice's sake, the killer confessed to the crime. He went to prison and died there in 2003. So did he just turn himself in? How was he connected to the crime? That I don't know. I have done extensive searching for this man. This case is a case that I've actually had up my sleeve since the beginning of our podcast. This isn't confirmed on NamUs or the Doe Network, but just bear with me because it's everywhere else. Apparently the man who killed John Doe is Jesse Burt Bishop. Okay. Now if you look up that name, a Wikipedia page will pop up. Sounds promising, right? Promising enough? Well, it's not. Not enough. This dude's Wikipedia page says that the man died in 1979, which is the year that John Doe was found. And his name was actually Jesse Walter Bishop. So it's a completely different guy. He just pops up because it's the most similar name. Yeah. He was a criminal, like a murderer. Oh, like really? Yes. That's a weird coincidence. I spiraled. Trying to figure out if this guy changed his middle name from Walter to Bert? Yeah, it was- And then faked his death in 1979? It was so weird. Like, I could not figure it out. Every time I've searched Jesse Burt Bishop, Jesse Walter pops up. It's so weird. That's gotta be just because Jesse Walter is the more well-known one. Yeah. And so he has way more publicity. And so every time you try and search for the smaller one, it's just completely overshadowed. Yeah. But I can't even find this guy. I've literally tried searching through public criminal databases. Like, I've gone to inmate rosters and, like, tried to find this guy. And I know he's dead now. But, like, I was like, maybe I can find past things. I've tried to find court cases. I've tried. This guy is like not out there unless I just can't use Google properly, which is possible. But I also haven't seen Jesse's name, Jesse Burt Bishop's name on like NamUs or the Doe Network. So it's possible that Jesse isn't even the one that actually killed him. 
Potentially. The guy that was convicted might not have that name. Yeah, but literally every website other than Namus and the Doe Network calls him out. So basically, who he is is a dead end. Who the killer is. Yeah, who the killer is is basically a dead end. I wanted to know if this guy had other victims. Like, I just wanted to know. Because how did they catch this guy? Did he just, like, go and confess? I get guilty conscience. Like, I tattle on myself over all kinds of things. I'm literally picturing him dumping the unidentified person on the road and driving to the nearest station and saying, hey, here's the deal. Okay, but here's the thing. They didn't find John Doe until he was skeletonized. Oh, so no one knew that John Doe was dead for at least a year. Or if they knew he was dead, they couldn't find him, but that doesn't make sense. I just don't know when in the timeline he confessed. All I know is he confessed he died in prison in 2003. That's strange. It is. I just don't know. It's so frustrating. It's why it took me so long to bring this case to you guys because I was trying to find out more information and I just can't. And also, I'd like to point out that the circumstances of John Doe's last bit of his life probably comes from what the killer confessed. Do with that what you will. I've seen some speculation online that John Doe was actually kidnapped by the killer and taken to Alaska and... I guess that's true. At this point, we only have the killer's word for what happened. We don't even know if this guy actually was a hitchhiker. Yeah... So I just wanted to throw that out because it's a possibility. Now, with that in mind, I do have a little bit more about what the killer remembered about John Doe. He gave some information about him to, I guess, help identify him, maybe? I don't know. He said he saw John Doe's driver's license and noticed two things, his name and the state. He said he remembered the state being Oregon and his name being Jack or John. And this is actually where our Doe gets his nickname, One-Eyed Jack. Now, the killer also says that One-Eyed Jack was 32. That's very specific. He would have had to have seen the date of birth and then counted backwards. Or John Doe told him. Fair. Yeah. He also described his hair as long and curly, which I guess is maybe why the Reconstructions have long curly hair. The killer even has a story as to how One-Eyed Jack lost his eye. He said that he lost it in a logging accident. The pair must have talked a lot because the killer even knew that One-Eyed Jack worked as a car washer for a Lincoln auto dealership in Colorado or Utah at some point. I mean, to be fair, they were in the car together for like 43 hours, so you would cover a lot of ground. Yeah. This information all comes from the Doe Network and just blows my mind. I feel like we know so much more about One-Eyed Jack. We know who killed him and he's still unidentified. It's just crazy. That's insane. It is. Before we dive into matches, let's look at who has been excluded from being One-Eyed Jack. John Barreto from Clackamas County, Oregon, and Richard Aquir from, I think, Canada, possibly Montreal, have both been excluded. Now, I said Richard possibly from Canada because he has a name as profile, but I can't access it. And it says that the Montreal investigative agency is investigating his case. Now let's talk about who could be our John Doe. And a lot of people have a lot of things to say about who could be John Doe. The most common match that I've seen thrown around is Franklin David Harder. He disappeared from Idaho County, Idaho on April 23rd, 1978. Is that near Boise? So it looks like Idaho County is actually like five and a half hours from Boise. So not like unreasonable. Especially if he was hitchhiking, who knows? Yeah. Apparently, Franklin had been taking care of a property that was owned by a local couple, and I guess it took 10 days for him to officially be reported missing. A search was conducted for Franklin, but nothing ever came of it. 
And the Charlie Project says our least favorite line ever. Quote, little information is available in Harder's case. End quote. I would argue that the remains were cremated ties for first place with our least favorite line ever. That's totally fair. I think the cremation thing is probably more frustrating. Anyway, Franklin was 25 when he went missing and he would now be 70. He is a white man and at the time of his disappearance, he was 6'2", 185 pounds with brown hair and brown eyes. He has a scar on his right eye or eyebrow. Madden, I've got a photo for you to describe and compare Franklin to One-Eyed Jack. You'll have to remind me, are those physical characteristics pretty similar? They're pretty similar. Let me give you a rundown again of One-Eyed Jack. He was estimated to be in the pre-40 group, a white man, six foot tall and 185 pounds. And he had long brown hair and his eye color we don't know. He was also missing his left eye. And now that's compared to Franklin, who was 6'2", 185, brown hair, brown eyes, but a scar on his right eye or eyebrow? Right. Hmm, that doesn't quite add up for me. I could see where even if he had both eyes, but he had a scar, maybe he couldn't see out of that eye, but he still had it. And investigators took that to mean one-eyed Jack didn't have his eye. Yeah. But it's on the wrong eye. Yeah. So I don't really think this could be him, but... Comparison-wise, Franklin has a pretty heavy brow. He doesn't really have the same hair as John Doe, but also it's a really bad picture. It's highly, not pixelated, but it's got like a film or something over it. I can't tell what it is. Franklin has a longer face and so does One-Eyed Jack, but overall I don't really see many similarities. I think the, the scar above the eye could have been a good lead if it was over the right eye. And you pointed this out, but Franklin's not missing an eye. But Franklin went missing over a year before One-Eyed Jack was found, and stuff could have happened in that year. He could have hitchhiked, met this dude. But he said it was in a logging accident, so sometime in that year he would have had to, like, get a job at a logging mill? Yeah, it would have to be a lot of perfect situations happening for Franklin to be Jack. I think what's likely happening here is people are seeing that he had a scar above his eye, forgetting that it's the wrong eye, and just instantly connecting these cases. Yeah. Ultimately, I've seen people say that Franklin was excluded, but he's not excluded on NamUs, so I don't really know what's going on there, but I think that Franklin should just be definitively ruled out because it could be him. I think it's unlikely, though. Yeah, physically, the biological profile markers are pretty similar, but also... John Doe was skeletonized. I don't even really know how they got a weight on John Doe. They said he was 185, but again, he was fully skeletonized. You can't really estimate weight from bones. No. You have no idea how someone carried their weight or how heavy set they were. You just don't know. Right. Now let's move on from Franklin. And let's talk about another name that I saw thrown around a lot. Stephen Norman Chait. Now, Stephen lived in New York City in 1972 when he was 20 years old. He was attending Columbia University, and he went missing March 13, 1972, when he was leaving his dorm. He was never seen again after this. But his mom received phone calls for 25 years after he disappeared, and the caller just wouldn't speak. They stopped calling in 1997, which is right around when caller ID was starting. His mom thinks that maybe it could have been him calling, or somebody who did something to him calling. They never said anything. But also it's rumored that Stephen was very depressed at the time of his disappearance. His family does believe that suicide is a pretty likely scenario, but people think that Stephen could have just started a new life. Stephen disappeared in 1972, which was seven years before One-Eyed Jack was found. 
the long timeline accounts for these things to have happened. If he started over, he could have changed his name, gotten in a logging accident, started living like a freer lifestyle, wanting to hitchhike and just went to Alaska and became One-Eyed Jack. I'm gonna stop there for a second. I'm just gonna let Madden tell you about the picture of Steven next to our John Doe. Steven has on pretty thick rimmed glasses. He has that tall curly hair. I can't really see his eyes that much because there's a glare off of the glasses. I think that his nose looks really similar to that first charcoal drawing we saw of One-Eyed Jack. It's like really the same bottom of his nose. He does have a goatee and a mustache, but again, we don't know that for sure that One-Eyed Jack had that. He does seem like he might have a bit of a bigger face than John Doe, but we also don't know how big John Doe was. Unfortunately, I think it's probably unlikely that Steven's John Doe. Again, a lot of very specific sequential events would have had to happen for Steven to be John Doe, and even his family thinks suicide's an option. So I think we need an exclusion to be sure. And I think I saw online that people were saying that he was excluded, even though it's not on NamUs, so I don't know. So we're going to go ahead and move on from Steven's case now. There's more specifics, but we just don't have the time to cover it today. If you guys are interested, we can definitely do a Patreon episode about Steven. But I have one more missing person I want to bring to your attention today. And I only saw this missing person suggested once. And I saw a lot of names, but this guy really stuck out to me for some reason. So let me tell you about him. His name is William John Day. Here is all we know about William's circumstances of discovery based on NamUs. Quote, William was last seen at the Fairbanks Rendezvous Club, end quote. He disappeared on September 15th, 1975, which is a couple years prior to when One-Eyed Jack was discovered and when he would have been murdered. I don't have a photo of William to show you or anything like that, but let me describe William to you. He was 5'11 and 150 to 165 pounds at the time of his disappearance, with brown hair and green eyes. If he was still alive today, he would be 77 years old. I think that this case could be the most likely for a couple reasons. One, his middle name was John. Maybe that's what the murderer saw on the license. Yeah. If it truly was a hitchhiker situation. But also, he was last seen in Alaska. So yeah, if we're taking the killer's word, maybe William made his way down to Idaho and then made back up to Alaska. But if we're not taking the killer's word because he's a killer, maybe he murdered John Doe in Alaska, where John Doe was from, and then made up some story because people like that like to lie sometimes for attention or to get a plea deal or whatever. If the killer killed William in Alaska, Mm -hmm. you said William disappeared three years? Mm -hmm. That would give him plenty of time to become skeletonized. That's within the postmortem interval time frame that they're thinking. Mm -hmm. And he's 5'11". John Doe's estimated to be six foot, which height estimations get wonky, but that's pretty close. Yeah. Not saying this is a slam dunk, but I trust this one the most. It's the most reasonable, but we also have very limited information about this. Did William have both eyes? I believe so. I didn't see that he didn't or anything, so I believe he did. We just don't have a lot in his case, and I think he could be a strong candidate for being One-Eyed Jack. If we knew more. If we knew more. I think we just needed exclusion or to find out he's Jack. So you may be wondering what we can do next. Well, I think there is so much that can be done. I didn't see anywhere where One-Eyed Jack was cremated or anything like that, so I believe his remains are somewhere. 
I haven't seen anything about isotopes being done, so doing that could really help narrow down the search field and find where One-Eyed Jack is from. According to the Doe Network, there is DNA available in this case. Let's do some forensic genetic genealogy. I think that could really, really help. We see literally every day what this technology can do. Even the seemingly most unsolvable cases can be solved. This case is just so bizarre. The killer has been caught and he's served time in jail for it. Justice has been served, but has it really been? John Doe's still unidentified after 44 years. His killer might have served his time, but he successfully took John Doe's name. His family has to be wondering where he's at. His loved ones have to be looking for him. It's just sad. Something has to happen to get this John Doe identified. If you have any information about One-Eyed Jack, please reach out to the authorities. We will have their information linked on our website. If you haven't visited us on our website, be sure to do so by going to theunnamedo.com. We make a blog post for every single episode, and we also have all of our contact information on the website if you want to reach out to us. We love hearing from you guys, so don't be afraid to reach out to us by emailing us or filling out a contact form on the website. Or you can always reach out to us on our Instagram at theunnamedopod. We also post the pictures that we discuss in the episode on our Instagram as well. And guys, we really want to hear from you. We love hearing your thoughts. We want to hear your suggestions for cases. We want to hear just whatever you have to say. Also, if you haven't already, be sure to leave us a five-star rating wherever you're listening and share us with your friends and family. This really helps get us out there and get these stories told. By sharing our podcast, it gets people caring about these cases, which can help move mountains in cases. We have seen in so many cases just how much media attention can push a case to being solved. And if you liked this little tease of what a Patreon episode is, be sure to go check out our Patreon, because if you liked this episode, you'll love the rest we already have uploaded and the rest we're planning to upload. Yeah, and our subscription is just $5 a month, and you get an extra full-length episode and an extra mini-episode a month. Our extra full-length episode, we actually cover a missing person, The missing person we usually cover is somebody from one of our doe cases that we suggested and we try to figure out if there's other does that this missing person could be. So if you ever hear us reference, if you want to hear a Patreon episode about that missing person, that's what we're talking about. So if there's a missing person you really want to hear, let us know and we'll do what we can. And if you needed any more convincing, we actually donate a portion of all our proceeds that we make on the Patreon to organizations that are working to solve these cold cases that you listen to every single week. And as always, thank you for joining us on the Unnamed Doe podcast. We'll see you next week. This podcast was written and researched by Zoe Reese. All editing was done by Madden Delaney. Our theme music was created by Zoe Reese.